Blog Talk Radio. But 
I think he broke his jaw not once but two different times. Like one time early in the fight and then a couple rounds later, and that made him retire. I remember talking about this. I think I had him on, or whoever else was hosting at that time with me, had him on before, or maybe after that uh, Fonfara fight that he pulled the big upset and that obviously led to the B-hop win and whatnot. But that should be a banger. I'm looking forward to that. Now, as far as, uh, you know, a variety of fight news, we do have some. Actually, Errol Spence officially pled guilty. We'll talk about that as far as the 2019 uh, crash where there was alcohol involved. Um, Jermel Charlo and Tim Zhu. You know, we got this, oh, great, man, the purse bid is, is solved. They're not going to go to purse bid. They made an agreement, but what exactly is that agreement? We're going to find out because the IBF mandatory got skipped, and they're ready to go you know, to court if they have to, because they do have a signed document. We'll tell you all about it. Be reading right from Jake Donovan's pen um, at, at BoxingScene.com. Anthony Joshua, this is big news, especially for DAZN, and especially for DAZN in the U.K. This is major. Um, it will be interesting anyway. Anthony Joshua signs a long-term deal. Here I am talking it up. I haven't even announced it yet. AJ signed a long-term deal with DAZN. It sounds like he's got some uh, financial um, stake in the company now, too. Talking about an ambassador. We'll give you some details on that. Um, we do have a little bit more Oscar De La Hoya audio. All his contradictions when it comes to uh, trying to make fights with certain fighters. Uh, yeah, it is what it is. It looks like he's going Bob Arum from a couple of years ago. Blaming everything on Al Heyman, you know. Instead of, you know, technically he took away, you know, Jaime Munguia's chance to fight Charlo, technically, you know. So I guess Oscar just believes that every fight that has to do with his fighter that is a B-side has to be like a split pay-per-view. I don't, I, I, that's, that, you know, how many split pay-per-view networks has there been? Is it seven or something like that? Is it six? I can't remember the number, but. This shit's getting ridiculous. We're going to talk about it, though. We're going to talk about it. And then, of course, other current fight news, some announcements for fights. And then, of course, our boxing Twitter segment where, you know, we we read the tweet of the week. There's a bunch of them, especially with the Don King uh, (laughs) card that happened this weekend. Um, You know, we we brush on some fanboy stuff that's pretty fun on Twitter. And, of course, the media members behaving as fanboys, we got to call them out, too. If this is your first time listening to the Rope Dope Radio podcast, welcome. It streams live right here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash Rope Dope Radio. You don't have to go to Blog Talk and Rope Dope and download the show there, there directly or listen to the browser. You can find the platform on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Player FM, TuneIn, uh, Apple Music. I said that, didn't I? Amazon Music, that's what I meant. Google Podcasts, Spricker, Stitcher, TuneIn, all sorts of stuff. While you're at it, why don't you head on over to thegruelingtruth.com. And one more thing. If you're thinking about cutting the cord or you have, you're not quite happy, i got something for you. It's called DirecTV Stream. Now, normally I talk about the prices start as low as $69.99, but for a limited time only, for two months, it's $54.99. So that's a saving of $30. And I also usually talk about upgrading to the Choice or Ultimate package. That's even a better deal, a value of $160 for three months. If you upgrade to those two packages, 
That'll literally give you HBO Max, Showtime, Stars, Epics, and Cinemax for three straight months. Something to think about. Uh, and also Showtime boxing fans-wise, just to relate to you, it's $11 on this platform. That's direct TV stream. Okay. So, like I said, I mean, some of the stuff that Berlanga said after the fight, and, and by the way, this is ongoingly. You know, I've been very consistent, whether it's Vladimir Klitschko, whether it's Deontay Wilder, whether it's just people making excuses. You know what I mean? Um, some of the quotes that he was saying, not even talking about when he tried to bite him, um, but talking about, now, did I think um, Berlanga lost this fight and it was some sort of robbery or something like that? No, I didn't. I thought he won the fight. Um, now, the scorecards read... Uh, 98-92, and two of them, 98-91, those two scorecards are just wild. I mean, you got to give Angulo a, a few rounds, at least like seven to three or something like that. Maybe closer, maybe he had it 6-4, maybe he had it like 6-3-1, whatever it is. It wasn't that much of a blowout. Um, you know, on one hand... I totally understand why Berlanga wants to improve as a fighter, why he wants to be more patient, um, why he wants to get hit less, why he wants to, like I said, overall improve. I think maybe improving at the style he was, whatever you want to say, good at, or was, uh, you know, at least using a whole lot, to get better at that, like using your jab more and maybe having more of a, a tighter defense or whatever. Um, I just feel like that, as far as at the, the top levels of the weight class, I think that's going to bode well to win the fight better than him being on the move. Because there's no way, I tweeted this out earlier, or maybe a couple days ago, actually, Um He's not going to be great on defense. Not many fighters are great on defense, by the way. He's probably not going to be good at defense. So I understand using some, you know, some of your footwork to stay away and whatnot. But I just think defensively, once he steps all the way up to any of these top five guys or whatever, that shit's not going to help him anyway. And when he's on the move, it seems like he's taking away his best attribute, and we know power. So if you want to throw more jabs, you want to make subtle movements, circle around a little bit, that's cool. But to me, in the, you know, like I said, reiterate that jab, you know. He was scoring with it, talking about the first couple rounds. I gave him the opening two rounds. They were pretty slow. He was definitely moving more than normal. Uh, but it was mostly jabs. Um, Angulo would get in the, maybe a, a decent left hook or some lands in there. Um Third round was incredibly slow, and that's where you start to go, huh, did Berlanga for sure win that? I did give Angulo the fourth round. He landed multiple hard shots, uh, I think one or two nice uppercuts in there. Um, and, you know, literally by the fourth or fifth round, you had, you know, Berlanga nose bleeding, which that's not the end of the world, right? But his mouth was open. He was already a little tired, and that's the one – misnomer about moving a lot of people oh you know you're this you're that you're afraid if you if you you're on the move 
But it's tiring if you move the whole fight, too. A lot of people don't realize how tiring it is. But, um, no, I, I thought Berlanga probably won, you know, rounds five and round six. He, it seemed like he was jabbing even more. Um, he landed a couple counters in there. Um, and, you know, I don't know. I mean, but even that, yeah, actually, I wrote it in my notes. I just noticed that. In the fifth round, with 30 seconds left, he's looking up at the clock, seeing how much time he's got to waste. That's not good midway through. It's not like Angulo was pushing you, pushing you, pushing you, you know. So that's just not a good sign. And sometimes you can look great body-wise, which we saw all the photos he was taking, and rightfully so, you know, of himself on the way up. But I don't know, man. When I say on the way up, I mean during fight week in this camp in general. He did look to be in great shape, but sometimes, like I said, you can look great, but why you already walk, you know, why are you fighting with your mouth open and looking tired already? So obviously you're not in that great, great of shape. Um, and then what was it? The, um, the seventh round, I think it was with a biting, you know, it was like he tried to bite or he did try to bite him and then kind of like almost like smash, smashes chin or mouth or, Kind of like a, a chin-mouth headbutt, if that makes sense. Like that movement, it was almost like he was trying to scrape his mouth. That was like there was a little, there was a bite, and then there was something else. And I think he was just trying to pay him back for all the elbows or some of the maybe this cheap stuff he was doing, but it just didn't line up. It's not like he was trying to bite him. You know what I mean? Um, I did get Berlanga. The seventh round, though, was close. The eighth round. Uh, Berlanga was kind of stick and move, but, you know, I didn't see Angulo in that round being effective cutting the ring off either. And some, sometimes that was his issue there as far as giving him two rounds or too many rounds. Now, the ninth and tenth, I think those are open to give Angulo. So you're looking at the seventh, the ninth, and tenth, May, you know, some of those you got to give it to him. Um, he did land a couple of hard shots um, in those rounds. Um and it seemed like, you know, Berlanga, for the most part, was just trying to get to the ending of this fight. So overall, I just, he didn't look all that good. It's four fights in a row. They minorly stepped up the competition. They should probably, I heard Jesse Hart. I think that would be a good test to see what we got here. But I wouldn't go that far above this level if you're trying to, you know, I mean, at least he's getting rounds in. You know, for so long, he couldn't get any rounds in. And so he is getting rounds, and he is facing some adversity. Um, we've seen him get tired. We've seen him try to switch his style. But sometimes you can just get stuck right in the middle of a style. And, and it feels kind of like that's what's happening here. And I still – I'm not – either at range or coming forward, I think that's where Berlanga belongs. You know, like I said, just throwing more jabs and it doesn't always have to be to the, to the head. It can be to the chest or stomach or whatever. I think that'll be enough of a, Hey, at least the guy has to worry about something coming in. Now, do you, you know, triple jab and all that, if you don't got a great jab, maybe not, you know, especially if you're facing a guy that can counter because then you're kind of setting yourself up and getting hit anyway. But, but that's my point. He's going to get hit anyway, you know? So it's like, I don't know. 
I just don't, like I said, I can understand wanting to improve as a fighter. You want to work on your skills. I just don't think he has the chops to be an outside fighter once he faces some of these guys. I just Either way, his defense is going to be leaky. So you might as well use your best attribute, which is your power. And if you can set up your power more by, you know, jabbing, you know, I, I think that's great. Um, so overall, no, he, he looked – he didn't look that good. <laughs> Let's put it that way. This is from Keith Eidick. Uh, Berlanga, the, this is the headline, he was a landside, uh, Angulo couldn't mess with me, skills two up there. And, you know, I don't know, he said he couldn't mess with me, my skills were up, to, you know, two up there, and plus my power, you know, he was hesitant a lot to come in, um, to throw wild shots like he did on Anthony Sims. Um, and, you know, I, I think it was both were hesitant. You know what I mean? I think both of them were hesitant. He said, I showed my real boxing skills and my jab. You know, everybody was talking crap about my jab, and I feel I boxed good. You know, I got hit a couple times I should have got caught with, but we weathered the storm and just kept boxing. I really showed my boxing skills tonight. Um, but, um, you know, he went on to say, I did hurt him, but I knew he wasn't hurt where I could take him out, which, no, that's fair, you know what I mean, at times. Um, and he apologized, you know, for the uh, for the biting and, and how he, you know, he shouldn't have done it and all that. But, um, I, you know, I'm all in favor of if someone's being rough with you and the rest not doing anything about it, then you got to take it in your own hands. I'm not saying, you know, hit a guy when he's down or doing something where it's just going to be easy to take a, a point away from you if they see you. Um, but... And it will be interesting to see what happens as far as the suspension. Clearly, the guy tried to bite him. I mean, so whether he bit him or not or something, he should be suspended for a little bit. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I just – I don't know. I just don't think he's – I've never really totally believed in him. Uh, I, I think he has power, no doubt. But – the way he's going to fight, he's just not going to be able to, you know, display that power if you're going to be on the move, you know what I mean? Um, there's only a couple times where he went forward, and, and I just think that that's – it's not going to work. It's not going to work, in my opinion. Um, now, we had the, the fight, the, the LeBron fight, right? Henry and Luis LeBron went at it. <laughs> it was actually a pretty close fight, I thought. Um the scorecards read 78, 74, 79, 73, and 80 to 72. Um, I had it pretty close. You know, 5-3, 4-3-1 um, in favor of Henry. Um, I thought Henry started out pretty good in the first couple rounds. He was boxing pretty well, um, using his jab, movement, kind of quick little combos. Then I did think Luis started to apply some pressure. And that won him some rounds, definitely the third round. I gave him the fifth round in the sixth round. The fourth was close. You had Luis kind of doing shoe shines to the body. Um, but you also had Henry firing back, you know, standing his ground more. Um, and the shoe shines, they weren't all that effective, but they were at least busy. Um, but I did, I did, like I said, the fifth, sixth, and seventh, a lot of those, uh, the pressure 
in the better shots, the short hooks to the body and head, um, closing stronger in the seventh. I think you can give those to, to Luis. So uh, I did think, speaking of shoe shine, he's shoe shining on the other side, and we're just a little bit more active, a little bit more busier in the eighth was Henry. So if you had it 4-4, four, four, I wouldn't be going, oh, my God, what the hell are you looking at? But I think Henry probably won the fight. Um, Luis won the fight, if that makes sense. Uh, LeBron, you know, that would have been a safe bet that a LeBron would have won. But then again, it could have been a draw. But I did have him winning 5-3, to 4-3-1. Three, 6-2, uh, three, nah. I probably would give uh, the other LeBron, Luis, more than just two rounds. I'd probably give it three. So 5-3-1, or like I said, something like that. Um, and then another fight I want to talk about really quick, the Josue Vargas and Dakota Linger. In the second round, um, you had Dakota just wailing away on Josue on the ropes over and over. And, you know, there, there probably should have been – well, there should have been a knockdown. Didn't get called. You could see his legs were pretty wobbly. Then it seemed like he got knocked down. Then – well, he did get knocked down. But then the legs were gone. And – it was real easy to see the ref needed to step in and stop this fight. And I think, was it the corner? I think the corner actually was the one who st- you know, came in and uh, got the job done, finished it off. So, um, But that could have got a little scary there. And also on the broadcast, the Timothy Bradley, Joe Tessitore thing, you know, where they're, they're, they're talking about the fighter that passed away. Um, and they're, they're giggling about it. And for anyone defending, like, well, maybe they didn't, they didn't know he passed away. Let's not even, let's act like the guy was just in a coma, right? Which he was, uh, before he passed. And let's just talk about it. Like we don't even know he's in a coma, right? Let's just look at the highlight. Once you look at the highlight of a guy punching air in the opposite way, to me, that's more sad, you know. Now, if I was a high schooler, would I probably giggle a little bit at the start? Like, oh, oh, wait, that's kind of sad or, you know, um, sure. I mean, even when we see knockouts, like the Pacquiao hat knockout, I remember the room, like 10 deep, 15 deep. Everyone was like, oh, shit. And then it was like, oh, shit, hat is still on the ground. Hold on. You know what I mean? But not even knowing what happened, and, of course, he passed away, not even knowing what happened or if he's in the hospital, just saying it and having some giggles going on. It was like, I don't look at that video and laugh at it, you know? And I, and, and that, I really stand firm on that. And that's not making some kind of stand by me. You know what I mean? That's real basic shit. So I was really like, wow, dude, so you're going to laugh at this dude. That's funny to you. Do you realize how odd of it you have to be and how critical condition you're in? To, to do that, to be punching that air, I, I thought that, and, and I know, you know, to report it fully, um, Bradley did, you know, apologize and everything like that. But to me, that doesn't mean a whole lot, you know, and I'm not saying he should pay a fine or be suspended. I'm not saying anything, cancel culture. I'm sure I'll get messages saying that. No, that's not what I'm saying. But it doesn't matter if he knew he was in a coma or he knew he, he didn't know he was in a coma, sorry, and didn't know he passed away. Forget that. If you're on a broadcast on ESPN or any broadcast for that matter, but especially a broadcast, you know, on ESPN, 
you know, a, a more known, whatever. The point is, you shouldn't be really making that a joke, dude. That dude was severely troubled, obviously. So that's all I got to say about that. Um, we will talk. I mean, there's not much to talk about Munguia. I do want to talk about um, Jalalov, Jalalov, however you say that dude's name. I'd like to talk a little bit about that show box. I do want to bring in John, though, here in just a second. I want to get my th- uh, my thoughts on that zone main event, the uh, Kiaguchi against Bermudas. Uh, or B- Bermudas? Is that what it was? Kiaguchi? Um you know, it was just it was a it was a it wasn't a really competitive fight, but the style was fun to watch. Uh, Bermudez was definitely giving him an, you know enough to where he won some rounds. Like I'm looking at the fourth round, he definitely had some success and landed some flush shots. You know, could he have could he have won that round? Yeah, I think so. But then again, you could say uh, Kiyaguchi maybe that overhand right stole the round. You know what I mean? Uh, but overall. Right off the bat, good action both ways. Um, and those short uppercuts started coming right out for Kiyaguchi. And he's got that pretty tight guard, too. Um, landing more jabs with that nasty uppercut. Most of the, the work early for Bermudas was uh, to the body. Um, and then by the third round, it seemed like, man, this could get over here. You, you got a, a, a cut in bleeding badly Bermudas from a clash ahead. Um, but, I mean, a very dominant third round by Kiyaguchi. I mean, that was pretty obvious. But, like I said, I thought he did pretty good in the fourth. The fifth was two-way. Uh, last part of that, they are banging it out on the outside. I just thought, you know, the better defense, the better overall shots uh, were, were Kiyaguchi. Um, sixth round, he did get deducted, I, I think for, was it leading with his head? Um, but down the, the stretch of that sixth round, he was whipping him with right hands, but still a fun two way, you know, fight there. Uh, then he added not just the uppercut, but the short hooks. He did get, oh, that's right. He got deducted another point because he hit him. Was it, he hit him behind the head? Is that what it was? But anyway, didn't really matter in the end. Uh, just a flurry of shots in the eighth round, leading to a TKO. And Kiyaguchi looked damn good. He looked very good. Obviously, he is the man at that weight class. Um, and so I, I definitely wanted to kind of go round by round with that one because he's, you know, he's a top-flight fighter, uh, no doubt about it. Let's bring in John to the fold real quick and see, give his take on this weekend. Of course, we'll talk uh, Peter Biev and Joe Smith, Jr., and uh, maybe some other items as well outside the ring. Obviously, Hall of Fame stuff we'll have to get into as well. All right, let's go ahead and bring in John. What's going on, John? How you doing? Chris, how's it going? Great to be here as always. Well, great to have you on. Um, pretty crazy uh, Hall of Fame stuff this weekend, being that it was uh, the trilogy, you know, the the, the, the triple header uh, you might say Bernard Hopkins, Juan Manuel Marquez, Shane Mosley, Vladimir Klitschko, Floyd Mayweather, Andre Ward, James Tony, Roy Jones Jr., and Miguel Cotto. And that's just men current, you know, not from the past, not the women's boxers, not the media and, and stuff like that. But just those right there really stands way out. And when you add Christy Martin and, and uh, Lucia um, 
I might mention her damn name. Uh, Ann Wolf, uh, Ali, like Holly Holm. I mean, there's just so many names uh, that got put in, obviously because of the you know the the COVID years. Um, so that was that was pretty crazy. I, I did want to. I had kind of planned on going up there for Marquez, Bernard and Marquez and Shane Mosley in 2020. Uh, Marquez was my favorite fighter from this last wave, not the current one, but the last wave. So I, I was thinking about going then, but obviously, you know, it was a no-go. But kind of a, a busy fight weekend in and out of the ring. Let's start within the ring, and let's start with Berlanga. Yeah, uh Berlanga, you know, I, I thought he I thought he did enough to want, win the fight. Some people were outraged with the scores and complaining, and you know, I thought he I thought he did did enough to win, but I, I just thought it was a, a poor outing for him uh, overall. You know, he he did show a little bit more boxing than he had shown, but I felt like after these last few decisions. We we were and you know the getting some rounds type of thing because he had all those first round KOs. I I kind of felt like we were beyond that. One thing I did want to just correct myself slightly and clarify a little bit. I tweeted right before the fight, and I think it did end up being being relevant, but not necessarily for the reasons I was thinking. Was you know in boxing, Chris, we we comment we commentate on it, so uh, it is our job to keep up with everything and we do we do a good job of that uh there, there's it's a worldwide sport there's a lot to keep up with when you look at the fighters the business angles the trainers and stuff but what i'm getting to is i thought berlanga was making some training changes but i i didn't realize he was going to have rogier completely out and the reason i mentioned that is i don't think that's been talked about enough with this fight and the way it played out at least as part of the factor uh because Rogier in in his previous fight against Rolls, I thought that Rogier was giving good advice to Berlanga. What he was telling him was, look, you know, he was saying it. You know, this guy's scared to death. And you know, I did think Rolls was in a survival mode in that fight. I believe you did too. Some people were giving him, I think, a little more credit than he deserved. And you know, Rogier kind of kept pleading with Berlanga, like, you know, this guy's in survival mode you know, kind of do what you do, so to speak. There, there's no reason at this point, you know, for, for caution and boxing and backing off this guy. You know, the guy's scared. you gotta, you got to press this guy and get him out of there. And, and Berlanga never did that in that fight. Um, so I was thinking, well, at least Rozier sees what the guy's got to get back to, maybe after he'd gotten some rounds and enough of that. But Rozier was not in the corner. And there was a, a, a new trainer that had only worked with Berlanga about a month, uh, and they they did specifically mention on the broadcast that Kay Caroma had worked with him during the camp. Now, what I w- want to mention is, because this hadn't been talked about, but you could actually see it, is, you know, Kay Caroma had, had a, has a lot of amateur experience. You know, he's trained pros. He's had some good success. But but one thing with him, and, and especially with all that amateur background that he has is you know you see with his fighters he's kind of good with working with fighters that maybe have that kind of modern amateur style you and i've talked about because sometimes you see american guys doing it we've talked about the cubans and and uh 
you know, some, some of the former Soviet bloc countries. But, but sometimes you see some Americans who had extensive amateur careers doing it. And like, for example, uh, with Kenneth Sims, Karoma had worked with him in the amateurs. He's a boxer. He kind of got him revived after his pro career had stalled. But here's what I'm getting to. You know, I don't think it's being unfair to say this. I mean, Karoma came in and worked with Hurd, who was basically a guy who I thought had some boxing skills I didn't get credit for, but still was had had his success really brawling, uh, being very aggressive. And that was a disaster. He came in and worked with a Chagba, and that was a disaster. So can we see a theme here that maybe the idea seems good to bring Kay Karoma in to teach a guy who doesn't box that well, uh, who's a slugger, some boxing skills, but in practicality, it's not that good of a matchup. So like you talked about when you were breaking down the fight, I mean, you had this boxing Berlanga backing off, you know, you, you could see they were really working on him to box and, you know, he's got a 38-year-old limited guy, Angulo. He had one surprise win against Anthony Sims, which you mentioned. You know, good win for him. But even with that win, I mean, the guy's never really looked that good. He's very limited. He's 38 years old. I mean, he he comes and, and brings what he can. You know, he, he brings what he can. But, but to me, even after Saturday night, I mean, this is just a, a very, very limited guy. And when I saw Berlanga backing off him from round one and just, you know, go through, go the distance, backing off, neutralizing whatever his strength, never picking it up like Rozier was trying to tell him to do in the previous fight and just, you know, get after the guy, it, it was hugely disappointing. And then really to have a mental meltdown with the butts and the biting because, you know, that, that troubles me. Actually, I, I don't look at that as a minor issue outside of the – sportsmanship of it it just shows a, a mental meltdown you know you had you had Tyson doing that you know even though he had still had some success at moments but when he was he was melted down against Holyfield he obviously wanted out you know we saw Andrew Galata famously do that on national tv against Bahua and I tried to explain that one away I remember Larry Merchant doing it as well and as we saw the problems Galata had afterward, I learned that one once and for all. You know, when you see a, a guy melting down like that, that he's got trouble when things get adverse and he can't handle it, that's that's not good. I mean, that means when the guy's in front and it's going well, he's okay. But when things get difficult, you can't, re, you can't rely on the guy. So, you know, horrible, horrible sign there from Berlanga. And that's just on him. That doesn't have anything to do with trainers or anything. That part's on him. We hadn't seen that previously, but I saw some harsh criticism on Twitter afterwards that I kind of have to agree with. I was thinking the same thing. It's harsh, but you have to say it. I mean, he now looks like he doesn't have the mentality to fight like he needs to with what his strengths are against upper, and this isn't even real upper level opposition, but against the better opposition. In other words, we're kind of all concluding, I think correctly, that almost everybody, I'd say, you know, 90% of people who follow things that this guy's got to get back to getting more aggressive, use his strengths. He's big for the weight class too. And he's young. He shouldn't be getting pushed back by some guy like Angulo. Uh, But now I do have to agree with those critics. Like, you know, it, it looks like he doesn't even have the mentality to get back to that. I mean, if he goes after somebody now and he gets some resistance with the mentality he showed Saturday night and, and he's shown recently, I mean, the guy, 
the guy might fold, you know, the guy might fold or, or the guy might just start backing off. And you make it a good point. It was after I watched boxing for years that you, you realize that moving takes a lot out of you. I mean, when a, when a boxer can do that, you know, for a distance and be able to do it, you really, you know, you know, gotta be in shape. I mean, one thing, of course you have writers that help, but I always remembered it about when, when Ali had his book, the greatest, he was saying in there that in the first, first round against George Foreman, he saw how good the, the plan was to move, but he saw that how good George was cutting off the ring and how exhausting it was to move. And he said, I, I can't, I knew right in the first round, I couldn't, I couldn't move long enough against Foreman and survive it. I, you know, I, I would run, you know, I would run out of gas. He was cutting the ring off too well. It wasn't going to work. And that's when he came up with the rope a dope because that was not the game plan going in. So the point is move, moving, you know, if Veronga is going to turn himself into a mover, you got to be in really good shape to do that. So, uh, you know, that, and, and, you know, he, he wasn't finishing that strong or anything. So bad outing and, and it's pro boxing. He's got to get back to his marketability too. You had a good, you know, Puerto Rican day parade weekend crowd there. Um, he's been drawn very well. His ratings are good. There's no doubt about that. I mean, he, whether you like it or not as a fan or a commentator, he's got a brand, you know, he developed a brand and I think he's got to look at that as much as anything too. It, you know, it, it is pro boxing and, you know, they call it prize fighting, you know, going way back because it's about making money. So, you know, he's ruining his brand. I mean, you know, these fights we saw before this against Coceres and Rolls and, you know, and, okay, we, 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 you didn't have rounds, you got rounds. We get that. I mean, it's, you know, that, that's not what's needed anymore. And, and like you said, I agree. I mean, it's just for this guy to be a mediocre boxer, 168 is not a strong weight class. So, uh, Canelo at the top, but but overall it's not strong. It's one of the weaker weight divisions. So there, there's openings there, but he, he's just not and he's got ESPN exposure, but he's not taking advantage in recent fights. He didn't in this fight. I didn't I didn't like you know, what the corner was doing with him going in. Um, somebody, somebody's got to get this guy back to his strengths. Um, I would think if he could somehow get the right mentality. I mean, you know, get back there with Rozier and do what you were doing, but I'm not, I'm not saying that that's going to happen, but you know, he did apologize about the bite on Twitter. I mean, even if he's got handlers telling him to that he's young, I thought that was kind of good that, you know, at least he's taking some responsibility. Cause like you said, Chris, sure. And I like this part about the modern sport. We, we can see the video, the replays. Now they do it in basketball. I actually like it. I mean, I like replay for that kind of stuff. I don't like it necessarily in other sports for quick calls and stuff like, like football right. and, and things like that. But I, I do in baseball, but I, I do like it. I do like it for things like, you know, like flagrant fouls and basketball, suspending a guy in football, uh, you know, boxing. I, and I think in boxing at the time between the, the rounds, I like, I actually do like it in boxing. So yeah, I wouldn't see why he doesn't get suspended by the New York athletic commission. You can see that, you know, right on video, and he should be suspended for a while. I mean, you know, we, we saw Red Catch do that uh, when things weren't going well for him recently, somebody who pulled it, and, you know, he got suspended, if I recall, um, for a while. And, and it should be. It really should be. I mean, just a just a bad bad night overall for Belanga and, 
and there's a lot there's a lot to go back to the drawing board on. So you know, we're going to see what he does. He's got to have the mentality. I think they've got to get him back to more aggression. He's got to market his brand by knocking some people out. And from what we saw, though, he's given the critics the ammo. Really, there's not signs he's going to do that. I mean, I, I got to say, we're, we're not seeing signs he is going to get back to that and do that. Usually, you know, I mean, it, it might be that's over. He's not going to get back to that. He's not going to back anymore. Then, then I could see a top line cash out. I mean, because you know, his popularity is going to fade, the crowds will go away. So then, you know, it's going to be Bob Berman, top breath might say, okay, we got we got to match this guy up against somebody he might lose to because he's going to lose anyway or, or lose the fan base. So it, it's time. Yeah, they'll definitely support you. But if they feel like they're getting jerked around, they'd be like, okay, fine, okay, fine. We're going to stay in this uh, Hulu Garden then. We're not going to fill up the garden, you know what I mean? Like, we're going to stay right here, yeah, which, hey, I'm not ripping it. It's, it's a nice, lively crowd, but that's a good point. <clears throat> Any other items you want to discuss uh, on that card? Well, I, well, just on that, finishing up, I, I was thinking a little bit, and then I saw it tweeted. Um, you know, it, it'd have to be a, a DAZN ESPN cross-promotion, and we know how those are always difficult. I mean, I don't blame PBC and I don't blame Aram that, you know, they're, they're not really saying, well, we don't really want to send one of our top guys ratings wise, you know, even if relying as Florida over to the zone to do something. Cause what I'm thinking is it did, it does make some sense. I mean, Mugia, what we could go into that Mugia weighed in at one sixty five uh Saturday That's night. True. And, you know, People criticize his opposition, and and Berlanga needs a jump start. I mean, to have those guys go in, and they're both even for 168, they're both big. And even though Munguia started at a, as a welterweight, he's he's still a big guy for these weight classes. Um, they're both yeah. young. I mean, let them let them fall it out. I mean, it's going to do good ratings. Let's face it. I mean, they're both popular enough. I mean, Munguia has been buried on his own; doesn't get the exposure, but still, he has some HBO before that. You know, boxing public knows who he is. I mean, you you could sell it, and then that'd be a fun fight. Could, I mean, it, yeah, and both stylistically both, bring both, it on. You know, yeah, both guys can make a case. At least I might be able to win yeah. this. I mean, you know, you're going to favor Munguia, but still, I mean, to make a case, maybe they, uh, maybe they ought to think about. It. Maybe they ought to ought to think about that. Or like you said, I mean, Jesse Harper, that might be too much risk at this point, even for. The I kind of think fighting. that too. Yeah, I kind of think I mean, that Jesse Hart might be a little too much for him. And and I was thinking since top rank does have some light heavy, somebody suggested I thought that that you know maybe the cash out fighting, which this isn't even a bad suggestion. I mean, you know, of what they might do, maybe fighting the beat or the Smith loser. And you know, it's a thought. I mean, that that that's a sell. I mean, you know. And there's no weight classes. There's no difference between 168 and 175. I mean, people will make like it, but it's not going to matter. I mean, Berlanga's got good size for those weights. Um, I'm not saying he's going to win or anything, but I just mean, you know, it's those are actually decent thoughts for, uh, you know, some some possibilities. But they're going to have to figure that out. Yeah, on, on the rest of that car, just um, I was happy for Dakota Linger, not just because he's from West Virginia, but the guy – the guy always came to fight, 
And, you know, he wasn't sure. that bad. He, he just got no amateur career. And, you know, he works as a deputy, he works as a deputy sheriff up in Buchan- Buchanan, West Virginia. So he got a full-time, full-time law enforcement job, but the guy always looked like, and I'm not saying he's going to get it now, but I, I was kind of surprised like a promoter maybe didn't sign him and get him, get him some decent training and just, you know, see if maybe the guy, I'm not saying he's going to be a legit world champion or even legit top 10, but guy could have, Guy could could have filled out your cards and won some fights. So Gary is just journeying around, and he gets this host way Vargas shot, and he takes him out. Um, you know, good good win for him. I, I I don't know if it'll happen after this one, but maybe if it doesn't happen after this one, it never will. Like to see him get some training, and I, I was kind of just laughing because it's so obvious. Like I, I saw some people tweeting after that one that like you know Vargas is finished now, and I'm thinking like. Well, you think so? You think when he keeps getting knocked out, he can't take a shot at all? I mean, that he might be finished? Yeah, I'd say he might be finished. I don't think you're, I don't think you're telling us something very enlightening there. So, um, not not dumping on Josue Vargas too much, but I mean, you know, we see that sometimes. I mean, it just it just looks like the guy, you know, there's something something wrong there, and you know, can't can't take a shot, so it doesn't doesn't look like it'd be a too good a you know he's gonna be you always get to make your own choice but you're taking the risks but doesn't look like continuing would be too great of an idea for Josue Vargas yeah that's a good point that's a very good point I didn't think about it that further but yeah that's that is a really good point um moving on what other fights do you want to uh, touch upon the they had some heavyweight action on Showbox. Obviously, the gold medalist, uh, you know, uh, fought on the card. We had the, the zone card, the uh, Kiyaguchi. We had, um, of course, the Don King extravaganza, the Daniel Dubois <laughs> um, fight card, um, Munguia, you know. Um, right, there, there was a lot of a stuff. Bit. There was yeah, a lot of stuff, quality, but I guess we could just call it stuff, you know. Yeah, there was a lot of stuff. It wasn't the best quality weekend. But, yeah, Munguia, I mean, I like watching the guy fight. I mean, that's why the Berlanga possibility is interesting, too, because I, I've, I've been saying that about him for, for a few years. I mean, even though Morales, I can't say Morales hasn't taught him some things, but I just like the, the aggressive Munguia better when his dad was training him. I and mean, his dad was a, a pro heavyweight, not not a decorated one or anything, but father was a pro boxer and he's the one that brought him up and trained him. I mean, they brought Morales in for help, but, uh, I, I kind of like, you know, his dad had him very aggressive, you know, very young guy was working his way right along. I kind of like it. And, you know, he, when he turned it up against Kelly, you know, then he got him out of there. You liked it. It didn't look that good before that, but have to point out, I mean, just a, just a terrible job by the DAZN commentary team. I mean, we know Kelly's a huge underdog almost everybody's picking him to get taken out. And then, you know, okay, he's doing okay for the first, you know, the first few rounds, but they're talking about him like he's James Tony or something like that. Like, like is not going to get to him and just when he feels like it and get this guy out of there. And then, you know, Munguia, as soon as he starts catching the guy with any kind of power shots what, whatsoever, the guy starts folding like a lawn chair and the DAZN commentary team is screaming, 
And the, to me, the referee was totally right. I, I thought it was insane, the, 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 a couple of people that tried to criticize the referee. But the DAZN commentary team, when Kelly goes down for the third time, uh, they're, they're, they're yelling that, what a great move by him, <laughs> going down intentionally to buy time. And referee Kelly stops the fight, and rightfully so. Like I said, Kelly was folded up like a lawn chair at that point. There was no need for it to go on. But I thought, what, what kind of – what kind of crazy commentary is that? I mean, <laughs> you know that, that. I mean, that was just that was just dreadful. I mean, uh, I'll, I'll spread it evenly among all commentators, but I mean, that was just dreadful. I mean, overrating the Kelly, you're trying to at that point kind of hype up his performance, and then the guy just folds when he starts getting hit with anything, and and they're screaming on the third knockdown that what a great decision by Kelly. By Kelly to go down to buy time, <laughs> and the the referee stops the fight. I mean, that was bad. So uh, I'm glad that, that you brought you know, that up because I was actually listening to music when I was going over some of those fights. So I actually wasn't even listening. So I'm glad that you brought that up. But I do now that you said it, I do remember a couple people saying it on Twitter. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, so, there was a couple people saying, yeah, what why. Why did they stop it? Well, I mean, the guy was folding. I mean, you know, it was obvious. So yeah, what, what more did you need to see? I mean, he, you know, he started catching a few shots and he was folding. So that was no surprise. I mean, but did McGee, did Munguia get anything out of that? No, not really. I mean, that, that really is wasting time. I mean, we can talk real briefly about the business of that. I mean, there are some people that agree with this. I, I think, and, and Oscar's almost saying it. I mean, I just think Oscar's strategy with Munguia, and I'm, I don't think I'm the zone whether you like the zone or not, it's just the exposure of it in the U.S. I don't think you can do it on the zone. I, I just think he thinks he's going to make Munguia into a Canelo. As funny as that sounds, I mean, I really think that's what he thinks he's going to do. You know, he, he's going to make him into a, a Mexican pay-per-view star uh, in the in the U.S. Right. And uh, he, that he figures he had Canelo and, and that happened. I mean, I, I don't think it's going to happen, but I really do think – that's what he thinks is going to happen. That's what his game is here. And, you know, like we said last week, got to see what he's going to do with, you know, Virgil Ortiz and Ryan Garcia, because like you said, you know, you got Garcia on Gatorade commercials and big social media following. I mean, he's, he's, he's got more star potential, but you know, some, sometime they're going to have to make some, some big move with these guys. And we haven't, we haven't seen that yet, but that was my take on that. And Jalalov, I did see that on the show box. Um, you know, I don't want people to misunderstand me. I did tweet afterward. It wasn't, I wasn't impressed, but I don't want them to misunderstand me in terms of, you know, the guy's a gold medalist. He's 6'7". He has some power. He's had a decorated amateur career. You know, 11 fights, 11 KOs that I'm going to count this guy out that, you know, he can't break into a heavyweight top 10 and be a factor. But I was not impressed with the performance. I, uh, a lot of I wasted think movement. There was a lot of wasted movement. Um, no punch variety. I mean, for a guy who, you know, had a decorated True. amateur career, uh, I thought that the punch variety was really weak, and he wasn't getting much resistance, you know, from uh, Malawi. He wasn't showing much or anything, so it wasn't like he had anything to worry about, yet all he was doing was loading up on that straight left and and just being real cautious with it. And, and even got a point taken away from holding, if I, for, for holding, if I recall, which against opposition of that level, that, that's not good. 
um, you know, he, he shouldn't have, have that kind of difficulty. Not that he wasn't winning every round, but, but that, you know, he, he's got to be, have point deducted for holding against an opponent at that level. Um, so, you know, he's got a hundred percent KO percentage. Um, got to give him that, but, uh, you know, he, he'll still have his chance to maybe bypass others and prove that he is more, he is worthy of more attention, but also, and, and I think, it's to his credit when these guys do this, I think it's the right move because that's where the money is. I mean, you know, he's oozed back, but he, you know, he's, he's staking his claim in the U S which I agree with that. I mean, I think that's the smart way to do it, but uh, especially, you know, U S likes heavyweights. If somebody can make a name for themselves and show some power, but that's the thing that wasn't, that wasn't that good of a performance for doing that to me. And I think, you know, I, I'd like to see more out of him. I, I, the punch variety really jumped out for me on that one I just just didn't didn't see uh didn't see much punch variety there from him and uh the fight before that Arias got a split decision you know I, I like you know the heavyweights always the flagship division of boxing so I think to me you still always got to pay attention but Arias didn't show a lot of power wasn't that impressive in that one so did I don't think he helped himself you know he's still undefeated but I don't think he helped himself that much in that one too, but I like the idea of show showbox putting some heavyweights out there and, and finding some mm-hmm. heavyweights. I think that's good to do in the U S so I'm all in favor of that. Even with those two performances, I like the idea, but uh, we didn't see fighters really take, take full advantage of people talking about them. Um, and then, you know, Dubois with Brian, I mean, what, what I, you know, crazy with Don King still being in the game and, and bizarre and crazy alphabet Delta line that, you know, people sh- should be ignoring these things, but they don't. But uh, I think why I, I haven't had too much to say about that one is not that I'm not paying attention to, to Dubois. And, you know, his power is real, but he was, to me, he was knocking out guys of Brian's level before he fought Joyce. So that's why I didn't have too much to say about it. Um, you know, I know Dubois has got some power. I don't think he, I think he's kind of slow. I don't think he's fast, you know, hand speed wise for, you know, even as a young guy, you can see he's not quick. He didn't respond to adversity against Joyce. So uh, there's, there's definitely some question marks there, but you know, he's got some power and he's still young. Um, but I just, again, somebody to level of Brian, him KO and him, it just doesn't, that doesn't tell me anything about those answering those questions. What I need to see from Dubois is even if he gets a guy out early, but it's somebody that's fighting back that, that brings something to the table and fighting back. And then if Dubois takes him out in the fourth round, that's what I'm looking for. I'm going to pay attention to, but Brian wasn't that guy and he didn't have that performance. So it just problem with me there. Just, just doesn't forget the crazy alphabet bell. It just, it just doesn't tell you anything. It's just kind of where he was. So we still have, uh, Dubois has to answer those questions in a better manner against somebody else, or, or we're still going to look at that Joyce fight and have those questions. Yeah, yeah, very true, very true. Um, any Hall of Fame thoughts or anything before we start to get into Peter uh, Biev and Smith Jr., which should be kind of like the definition of a TV fight, right? Where it's like, you know, I think a lot of people think Joe Smith Jr. is going to lose this fight but it sure is going to be entertaining uh, to get there. But first, any thoughts uh, about the Hall of Fame? Like I said, there's just so many names because of the three-year triple-header trilogy 
Um, I, I watched a, a chunk of the speeches and whatnot. Um, any, any thoughts at all? I mean, obviously you're not going to ever beat this year because there's three different years combined, but. Yeah, I think that, I think that, I think I can. This one that, um, I've always been in favor of a boxing hall of fame, um, because I just think it was something that's good for the sport. Uh, you know, but this is was my own personal thing. I've said it before. Um, you know, baseball's Hall of Fame had such tradition and, and stats being such a big part of baseball that, you know, and, and you may be losing some of that now, but I always thought with the Baseball Hall of Fame and it was so exclusive that, like, I could get into those debates about who got into the Hall of Fame. But the other sports, even the other major sports, like, you know, you know basketball, you know, you know pro football, um, I, I just think it was it's it was just it just kind of so subjective and and that you know I I didn't really care necessarily that much who was in or not in and I've looked at boxings that way but this this to me was a perfect example of the positives of boxing because I always thought it was good for the sport to have one and here those names you you read off and plus it was the three year mark and also. You know, even if, if if I was to start worrying about who was in or not in the Boxing Hall of Fame, the, these people that all got in over this three-year period, I mean, I can't say – these are people that I would have in there. So, um, right. so that was really Pretty cool. Pretty easy, too, and you know. Yes, exactly. Not, not much controversy, so that was really cool. So, like, any way you would be looking at a Boxing Hall of Fame, is just something good for the sport or if you're somebody who really, really cares who's in or not – these are people who deserve to be in there. And even like, you know, you had a long, long time, great writer, you know, Bernard Fernandez, who was always writing for the Philadelphia papers over my years of following boxing and, you know, Philly being a great fight town. And that's when all the major papers still had boxing writers. So you see somebody like that. And I saw Hauser was in there too. And I, I did read his book on Ali um, as soon as it, came out and, and even though there's there's flaws to it i mean that's kind of in terms of a lot of information and the people we talk to you know are arguably the kind of definitive ali biography with the flaws in it so um that was pretty cool but of course you know then you're always looking at the participants the most and and you know you, you had like you said you, you're you're getting into women's fighters now who are well deserving of getting yeah in. they were well represented um, yeah, so that's cool. And then, uh, of course, yeah, we didn't. I didn't get to be there this year either. But um, you know, you could see what a good weekend it was for the people there. I mean, just who 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 got in, and uh, you know, just a great weekend for boxing. So you know, I thought that was a real positive because that's kind of the idea to me of when they got the boxing hall of fame started. I mean, it's something that good for the sport to have in that this weekend you know, for boxing fans kind of epitomize that with, you know, who was there and who got in and what type of weekend it was. Like you said, extra big with the three classes getting in. So I think that was a really uh, a really good thing for the sport and it probably a, a good enough weekend that will it'll, you know, help the help help the sport over the next few years with future classes and that and that weekend. So I I did think that was a really good thing. Definitely. All right. So how do you see this ESGN main event uh, turning out? Because like I said, most people think it's just going to be an all action war. 
Uh, Joe Smith Jr. has not been stopped uh, as far – well, he hasn't been – let me take that back. He's been stopped a long time ago, and I think he broke his jaw not, not just once area of his jaw, but the other – I think there's two – I think he hurt it. I think he broke his jaw or hurt his jaw, and then like a round or two late or something like that, um, he, he, yeah, he, he hurt a different part of his jaw. And so they yeah, it was like a TKO a, done, basically. Yeah, he did stop, fought a decent fighter, but did quit because of a broken jaw. Uh, and, you know, he even admits yep. he, he quit, said he kind of, yep. you know, he, of course that's bad, but kind of kind of seems to imply he wished he didn't, but uh, got stopped then. And then, you know, of course, all reports from him and everybody were that when he picked up the loss to Sullivan Barrera, you know, he dropped Barrera early. And he says he broke his jaw in that fight, but you know that, and that's going to be part of my analysis. That because you know, I mean, Joe Smith, he he's done, he's done a lot of good things, and he's picked up wins against some some solid opposition. You know, some of them, of course, by KO. You know, he KO'd Fonfara, you know, KO'd Hopkins, KO'd Alvarez. Uh, you know, those are those are some good good KO wins. Um, I was saying this before other people started saying it. I mean, I, I think, you know, he doesn't have an extent. He doesn't have a, a, a real high decorated amateur background, but he did have some in the New York Golden Gloves. And I think when you watched his fights, even though as soon as I saw him break out on the scene with Fonfara, I like his two-handed power, and I still do. But the guy's got – I've been saying this for a while. Some people are starting to say it, but they still kind of downplay it. But the guy's boxing skills – I mean, they're not like flashy, but they've really gotten pretty good. I, I think it's kind of underrated. Like, he's defensively responsible. You know, he'll he'll work a jab. You know, he'll he'll keep his hands in good position. So, I think as good of a puncher as he is with both hands, his his defensive skills and his, his boxing have become underrated. Um, you know, Biedebrev, of course, is a you know he was a highly decorated amateur, a better amateur career than Smith. You know, he had it on the, you know, the world level. And, you know, he was a heavyweight in the amateurs, you know, a 200-pounder. And he was about the same height as Tyson. Tyson was a 200-pounder in the amateurs, a heavyweight. I mean, there, there's some times when Peter Biev's at his best knocking people out that he'll, he'll throw some punches that remind me of Tyson a bit. Of course, you know, Peter Biev's in his late 30s now, so you're not talking about the speed of a – of a young Tyson, but just some of the punch delivery at times will remind me of that even when Beter Biev was first coming onto the pro scene. Um, now, you know, Beter Biev, he got knocked down by Callum Johnson a few years ago and he, he, but they, people forget, I saw this on HBO. It was, I think it was when HBO Latino at the end of HBO, they were showing boxing, just some fights. It was, or it was on one of their alternate shows, but it was live. And he fought a journeyman, Jerry Page Jr. And got dropped. And it was a solid knockdown. Now, you know, I've said this before about the light heavies in this era. I think it's become more like the heavyweights used to be because they don't have to weigh in on the day of the fight anymore. Now you've got these guys, and, and B2B have been a perfect example. He was a heavyweight in the amateurs. You've got these guys, you know, they're, they're, they're probably coming in over 188 pounds on the, uh, at fight time. And why I say that is you have to, I think, now give light heavyweights kind of that leeway like you would a heavyweight like you know for example chris as you know like 
if a heavyweight gets dropped, you know, you can't automatically say a heavyweight's got a bad chin because he got dropped. I mean, you know, Muhammad Ali got, you know, gets sure. dropped, Rocky Barcelona, Larry Holmes. I mean, you know, these are, these are big guys that can knock you out with one shot. So I, I try to, what I've tried to do in recent years is I try to take a little bit of that to the light heavyweights too now that, you know, so I, in other words, I'm not going to say Beter Biev's got a bad chin because he got dropped twice by guys, you know, Callum Johnson, borderline top 10 guy at best and and jerry page a journeyman but yet on the other hand they were you know legit knockdowns so you wonder i mean we know smith can really punch um you know beater bf has some skill too but i think now he's got 100 percent ko percentage but when he hasn't looked as good to me is even though he's got that decorated amateur career I, i i've seen moments sometimes where i think he thinks he's a little better boxer than he is like you know it's funny because we were talking about Berlanga at, at a much lower level uh that that he's doing that now I, even though Beter Biev he's always come back around and got the stoppages I, I've seen moments against some lesser opposition when you know like Denise and uh Coling where you know I, I think that he thinks he's a I think he thinks he's a little better boxer than he is so that to me is kind of actually maybe Smith's opportunity since both guys can really punch that, you know, because, because Beter Biev might do that too, because he knows Smith can punch. So, you know, like I said, I've, I've seen Beter Biev where sometimes I think he gets overly enamored with his own boxing skill. And, and, and I think Smith is an underrated boxer. So I think if it doesn't open up explosively, like people are expecting, and I think it's a possibility it doesn't, um, that you know that might give Smith a chance to get something in there. I, I think that that's what people might be missing. Now, when Beter Biev is really good and, and nobody's really been able to handle him is is when he does get aggressive. And that's like I said, where sometimes I'll see him throwing some some shots like a prime Tyson here and there. Um, he, he's tough. Now, I think when he the the one th- the fight that really separates the two for me because. I, I'm surprised the odds are as far apart as they are, but the, the fight that really separates the two to me is that, you know, Gavodstick I thought was really good, and he was a big guy as a light heavyweight. He had skill and power. And Beter Biev in that fight, he did not become overly enamored with his boxing. To me, that was where the devastating Beter Biev, like other people saw too, but but he had that right mentality in that fight. I mean, he he was after Gavodstick. He kept he he kept really pressing him, really throwing power shots, really breaking him down. Kept nailing him. And and look, we know you know we're not in there, but but we know from following the sport how tough it could be at that level. I do have to say, if you really were looking at that corner, a lot of people were saying, oh, you can't criticize him for and stuff. And, and look, you know, we're, we know we're not actually in there, and we know how hard Beater BF can punch. But if you did look at the body language in that corner and Gabon stick with Atlas, and Atlas was trying to get on him, but the guy didn't, the guy didn't, Gabon stick didn't want anymore. He didn't want anymore. So, um, you know, that's, I think, the problem for Smith is that, you know, if, if even though, you would think an aggressive beater BF might be more at risk. I don't, I don't know. I think that aggressive beater BF when he, he really starts throwing bombs at you and he's uh, on you. He, he's there, there. There might not be anybody at light heavyweight that can hold that guy off and withstand that because he's got the punching power. So um, 
if BWF comes out like that, I think Smith is probably going to be in trouble because, you know, Smith's shown a pretty good chin overall, despite the one fight that he quit with the broken jaw. Um, you know, he's taking shots against Barrera, and even though it was not a good performance for him overall, he did go the distance. Um, you know, he went the distance with Bivol. You know, we know Bivol's cautious, but we know he is a, a skilled guy. Um, so, you know, but I just don't know if he can take the shots from, from a really aggressive beater BF. So, uh, but I, but I think if beater BF tries to box a little too much and, and doesn't come out aggressively because he's worried about Smith's power, I think Smith's boxing skill is underrated. And I think Smith could get something in and I think Smith can hurt anybody. So, um, you know, I, I I think you got to lean towards Beater BF, but on this one, I just kind of feel like punting on a final pick. You know, we don't do that here, Chris, and I don't like to do it, but I'll just even just say why. I mean, like, I think on the odds, I think Smith's being underrated. I'm, I'm not saying I'm going to pick him sure. for a straight win, but I do think that he's yeah, too big of an underdog. And what I, what I also like that hasn't been discussed, but I like to follow these types of things. And you and I, as you tweeted out and we did a really good breakdown of it, I think it does tie into me on this one. It's a good time to tie it back in with the, the American talent up and coming or, or guys who have arrived. I mean, everybody who follows lineal and, you know, he's the champ of transnational, you know, has beater BF already as the light heavyweight champ. You know, Smith is a, you know, the, probably the two number two contender after Bivol. And, uh, you know, but Smith's an American, you know, we, we have, well, look at what we look at what we got. You know, like I'm thinking if Smith can pull the upset here, I mean, you know, then he becomes the lineal light heavyweight champ transnational. But Haney has just become the champ at, you know, lightweight 135. Stevenson at 130 pounds. You've got Fulton as the number one guy at 122. He's on the cusp. Of course, we know at welterweight 147. You know, Spence and, and uh, Crawford are the top two. We've got Jermel Charlo has already become the guy at 154 pounds. Um, you know, these, these are all Americans. I mean, you know, they're they're becoming the guy. You know, now, Inoue just did it at 118. And, of course, he's Japanese. Um, you know, Americans haven't had as much success going down low. They can find some guys over the years like uh, – you know, Orlando Canizales, Jeff Chandler, but, you know, you don't see the Americans as much down down low, so they don't have as much tradition, but you've got Fulton at 122. And then the other guys I've mentioned, I mean, you know, if Smith pulls this upset, that, that's Americans, you know, just really getting to the, yeah, that would be to the top of the real true top of all these weight classes. And that's something I'm interested in. It's on ESPN that, you know, if Smith could, if Smith can beat the odds and pull that upset, I mean, American boxing is really, really making a statement as to, as to where they're at. So, uh, I think Smith's got a shot. I'm not going to straight up pick him. I think aggressive mm-hmm. beater BF is probably going to be hard for Smith to handle, but I don't know if he's going to come out like that. And, and I think I'm not saying it, it might not break out in a firefight with, with both guys getting hurt or something like that, but. Uh, I think that'll be a little tougher for Smith if Peter Biev really comes out aggressive. Um, so, you know, that's what we're gonna that's what we're gonna have to uh, that's what we're gonna have to see, see. You know, how how Peter Biev uh, wants to wants to play it. But uh, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, it's a it's a really good uh, matchup. I hope hope it gets some good ratings. I hope ESPN um, gets it 
on there at a decent time. How, how do you see that one playing out, Chris? Yeah, I mean, at anywhere of a plus 500, I think the lowest I've seen is plus 450, but 550 plus 600, I think it's, you know, the, the whole take out a flyer line, I think it's definitely worth right. it as long as you back it up. Um, and I wonder, yep. like, the inside, you know, Joe Smith loves to go to the body, loves to be inside, loves to go forward too. And I wonder, like, is it better if he gets all the way inside so he's not at the end of the punches? It's, you know, Peter Bia can short punch. He can, uh, you know, he could do a lot. Of, he's got a little bit more. I think you're right about both these guys at what they do anyway have a little bit more game than they give credit for. And that is a good point. We have seen uh, Peter Biev once in a while either try to show a little too much skill than, hey, get this guy out, or his defense, you know, it's like, whoa, yeah, wow, you're getting hit a lot. Or like you said, you know, he, he did get knocked down. And for a while there, you know, at the beginning of his career, it was like he was fast-tracked, but then he was put on hold. He had promoter issues. He this, that. It like for a while, it took a little while to get to that Vosh-Dick fight where you can actually, okay, we get to see some skills against a top-level guy. Um, so some of that was like – some of it was just stalled his career to, to see really what this guy's all about. But I, I do think Peter Biev will win by knockout, but I think it's definitely worth, worth it to take a flyer out. Just to add more of what you say, it's – one thing, it's crazy that we did that episode last spring already. It doesn't feel like that far long ago. I went back and no. checked it out and tweeted it. It doesn't feel like it was, you know, like 14, 15 months ago. That 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 threw me off when I was going. I kept looking like, man, when did we do this, you know, and then finally found it. Um, and also how it's literally playing out right before our eyes. And it's not yes. just these guys that have been established for – three to five years, you know, it is that group coming up. And we did kind of talk about prime for the next few years, three, five years, what's coming up and then contenders and prospect And it, you know, until you really, and I remember even saying it when we were doing the show, both of us said it like until you really sat down and went through it, it was like, wow, this is even more depth than I thought. And that's why we had to do such a large segment on it. So definitely anybody want to, check it out we went through all you know most of the weight classes where american fighters are you could say top 15 or prospects that aren't quite on the cusp yet of the top 10 or 15 it is deep as it's been in a while and uh and some of these guys are like a stevenson like a haney they're now in their time where they're graduating to the big time and they're making a statement doing it yeah, this is uh, that's that's what's interesting to me is that we've already just had that this happen in recent weeks and months, and now even though Smith's a big underdog, he he has a chance to right. add to it. It's still and, there, uh, yeah, it, yeah, it's still there. Going into Saturday night, there's there's still at least a a chance, and uh, yeah, like like flyer territory, right? I, I've seen Smith at plus six hundred now, and and just for me, it's like yeah, it doesn't mean you're going to win it, but that, that's getting enough. Like hey. You, you might just want to take yeah. you might just want to take a shot at that, like you said, especially if you can figure out a way to back it up. So, uh, you know, it seems like those are kind of numbers you might want to take a shot at. But I, I, I like this matchup a lot. I'm looking forward to it. I mean, Bivol is definitely the number one contender, um, but but this is the real light heavyweight title. I mean, Bivol, even though he just beat Canelo, I mean, I mean, he, he didn't he didn't pick up a 
a WBA belt off of anybody at note to make him the champion. So, you know, pe- people need to look at that kind of stuff. You can't just look at the alphabets. Um, yeah, w- one thing I'll just throw in because I see it mentioned today. I mean, you know, you know it, it, anybody that's going to try to make an alphabet case for, for Jermel Charlo fighting anybody but Zoo or Fundora, which, you know, he'd, he'd be willing to fight either. And he's talking about zoo. I mean, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's absurd. I mean, you know, if some alphabet organization says you're the mandatory, and you don't deserve it. I mean, so what, you know, like, like, like fans shouldn't care about that. I mean, if Charlo was to throw the IBF belt in the trash, I mean, who cares? I mean, are, are, who in their right mind is going to say that zoo Charlo wouldn't be for the 154 pound title. I mean, let, let's let's keep let's keep things sane. <laughs> yeah, no doubt about it. That's that's so true, so so true. Um, anything else you want to talk about, or you think you got enough in there? Uh, yeah, I probably got enough in there, Chris. After getting that in, but that was just something that came to mind today. Is you know, get get into a lot, but yet I have to keep getting into it. I mean. You know, forget this. Forget this. Al- you know, just forget this alphabet stuff. I mean, Dubois is not the heavyweight champion. And if you're intelligent enough to say that Dubois is not the heavyweight champion, then you can apply disregarding alphabet stuff to other things. Oh, I do want to throw one more thing in before I go. I think people get too carried away with the judging stuff a lot and everything, but there are some instances we've I've seen to myself in the in the last year or so that are so outrageous that that are worthy to be mentioned. Uh, and one of them, you know, was, of course, yes. uh, that Maestre Fox. And we have the WBA judge that, I mean, that's one of the worst scorecards of all time that had my, my, yeah. Maestre winning that fight when Fox won like every round. And, and they had they had him like clearly winning the fight. Uh, that Gloria Rizzo, she was, she was, she was judging the WBA uh, Dubois uh Brian fight Saturday night. So, so much for the WBAs cleaning it up and title consolidation and all this kind of other nonsense gets, gets thrown out there. I mean, that card and then that Yoka Bacoli card, uh, even though Bacoli got the win in that one, I mean, those cards, those cards to me were on the frightening level. I mean, you know, you take that Fox Maestre and then you take that scoring in Bacoli Yoka those are those are legitimately frightening. Those ones are legitimately frightening. Where that can't, you know, something's wrong there. So uh, whatever it is, so so she shouldn't be judging, you know, after that Maestre Fox thing, and and there she is out there again. Yeah, less than so that, a year, less than a year yeah. later, having the WBA slash the commission figuring out judges. I mean, come on, with the same person? Like, wow, it just. I mean, even saying wow, I shouldn't even probably say wow because it's like, yep, this is boxing, but it is just, uh, it's just, it's, it's just delusional, man. It's just, it's crazy, man. It is crazy. Yeah, it's sometimes. crazy. So that, 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 that's my final note on that. But that, that just has to be called out. That, that, that just shouldn't be happening. All right. Well, enjoy the fights this weekend. Um, I do plan on trying to get in an early show again. Um, whether it's Monday or Tuesday or something like that, but I'll let you. I'll let you know. Enjoy the fights. Thanks for stopping. All right, Chris. You too. Thanks. Yep. Take it easy. All righty.
Always fun to talk to uh, John there. And um, by the way, we talked about that uh, Dakota Josue Vargas upset. That uh, Carlos Ortiz, was it Cervantes? Cervantes? He pulled a big upset over that Sanchez. I think it was Evan Sanchez, even Sanchez. It was like a plus. 1100 plus 1200 something like that now i'm not saying i told you so i'm just saying that was actually a pretty big deal the mungia fight like i said i watched a little bit of it i watched some highlights of the daniel or i did actually watch the the daniel dubois uh win uh but i only watched quick little highlights in the other card and i wasn't gonna it's not like it's a uh three dollar fight tv membership thing right i think this was pay-per-view i think you had to pay 30 bucks for it maybe i'm wrong on that but i actually looked it up on pay-per-view.com it was 30 bucks i'm like eh, i'm good i'm good i'm sure that fight will be available in the days to come and, and it is it is so you know nice win for dubois to, to keep going and maybe he'll get a big fight um Munguia, it's one thing for oscar to say you know, grow some balls, but with Munguia, it just, I feel bad for him, you know what I mean, in a sense, but it goes back to, like, how many split pay-per-views has there been, you know, in recent times since they started doing them, you know, since, well, let's just say uh, Tyson in in Holyfield, or Tyson in Lennox Lewis, oh no, was that on the same, Uh, Pacquiao Mayweather, I mean, Wilder Fury 2 and 3. Uh, I mean, it just there's just not that many is my point. Um, even Crawford Porter, you know, was not one. Um, it just, if that's, in the, the media that's going to interview them on average are not going to really, the copy box guy actually did follow up saying, well, you know, uh, in an interview, because, you know, Oscar did a bunch of interviews before the fights, and it did have the Yeti Hearn stuff where he's just talking about other fighters and not really talking about the current fight, but um, he even backed it up saying, well, you know, my eyeballs could tell me, basically, that Gervonta could sell, and they're not fudging the gate numbers, because the commission is the one releasing it. Um, the pay-per-view numbers, I you know, who knows about that stuff, right? It's not as low as some people think, that's for sure, but I'm not here to argue about that. But, you know, right now, there's A-sides and B-sides, and when the PBC has an A-side, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't hold as much weight on boxing Twitter and amongst a fair amount of the media and part-time media. It just doesn't. And it is, it's really funny like, there's a podcast that's going to start soon that says, oh, Mungia called out Charlo. I see that a couple times today. It's like, oh, did he? Well, he had – he agreed to terms. You know what I mean? So – and I'm not blaming Mungia for this, uh, you know, 100% or something. Like, oh, it's all his fault. But I just wish there was more follow-up when he says stuff like this because it's like, well, hold on, dude. Like, Tank is the A-side. And when it's any other time – you know, the, the A-side gets what he wants for the most part. But when it's a PBC A-side, like I said, we can't say Mayweather because Mayweather technically wasn't PBC as far as a fighter. You know, 
he says he has a large investment in the PBC, which I believe. But it's just funny how this works out. Like, there's no – and then it's like, well, you know, you got to work with the networks. Why? What are you talking about? So I thought you hated pay-per-view, and that's what was cool about DAZN. DAZN didn't put up any money for it. It's just silly. It's just silly. And he just – to say Heyman, you know, Showtime – Gave what was probably like a very high amount. I'm not going to sit there and say I know exactly how much. I did see that Mumbia made like two million. Maybe that's what he was offered. And they said I'll match it for you. You know what I mean? I don't know. But the whole point is, it's like, dude. So every fighter is going to be split. You know, network now. Like, give me a fucking break. Like, that's not going to work. You know, and I really wish people would follow it up. Even Garcia and Tank need each other to be the biggest fight at light heavyweight at this point for pay-per-view and gate. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. But we do know that Tank is the A-side of that. It just it's, It is what it is. And we do know ESPN, and there's a difference between ESPN and DAZN. It is what it is. But this is the stuff I'm talking about that just doesn't, I don't know. Here's, here's Oscar. Here's some clips. This is Deuce, by the way. This is going to be... Um... It's going to be an entertaining, fun fight. Um, I, I've been I've been studying Cali for for a while now, and um, he's he's the real. So I have I, I have uh, I have uh, uh, Jaime Munguia uh, fighting uh, this Saturday, actually at the Honda Center. Um, you know, it's, it's we'll have we'll have like twelve thousand people there. It's it's going to be he's fighting actually. Uh, I, I mean, I don't even know who the hell he is, who he's fighting. <laughs> um, I've been studying Cali for for a while now. Um, he's, uh, he's coming off, uh, an amazing win. Um, and I, I strongly feel that, uh, look, uh, when, when you're from the, uh, the, the hotbed of boxing now overseas in the UK, you, you, you have like a chip on your shoulder, you have something to prove and you're always, uh, ready to fight. And so this is going to be a, a great fight. And whenever Jaime Munguia fights, it's always action packed, so it's gonna be a lot. Yeah, and, but that's that's how I was I was trying to I was trying to make a Jaime Munguia versus Charlo yeah. fight, but the problem is Al Heyman uh-huh. again he blocked it. So it's it's so I had to move on to the next contender. It was this kid Cali. I've been studying Cali for for a while now. I really I'm a I'm the biggest fight fan ever, and I don't know who he is. Wow. But that's the whole point, like, and Deuce did a good job editing that where um, it was going back 24 hours before, before the press conference. And, uh, but then he's like, well, we had to make some other fight. Well, it was more than just Charlo who he had a chance to have a fight with. Let's not act like there wasn't three, is it three or four other fights? I don't know. But at least three to four fights, if not five, that Munguia could possibly be in. I mean, that's just factual. But anyway, um, I did get, like, a lot of pushback from that. And, of course, it's Oscar de la Hoya, so I get it. But, you know, facts are facts, dude. And not every fucking – I just wish the media would be like, dude. And I'm not – you know, Jake Donovan, I gave credit to the copy box, dude. Like, there was a little pushback in some of those interviews and even the way – like, Jake did it perfectly on Twitter when he he mentioned the quote about the gruesome balls – so he did his job because that was a quote, right? And, of course, videos and, you know, getting 
abused and, and all that. I, I get that. Clickbait. I get the title. I get that. But then you got to follow it up or have a follow-up you know, question and, and level with them and be like, well, hold on, dude. You know, Showtime was going to do that on regular Showtime, not pay-per-view. DAZN had no interest in doing it on pay-per-view at the time. That's what it was reported, you know. But but he was like, this is among, you know, this is just among a couple of basically wild stuff that Oscar said today. You know, so he, he gave the quote Jake did, but then he had some context into it too. By the way, speaking of follow-up, I do want to follow up on us talking about Devin Haney options. And remember, we said we don't know what the contract states. We don't know if he can technically go up to 140 and drop the belts and be good to go and not be in the lawsuit. It does sound now from a lot of different reporting, the contract and his options and all that, if he stays at 135, he has to fight Cambosis, it sounds like. Now, to get out of the contract and go fight at 140 and drop the belt, he'd have to give him money. So it's really up to Cambosis if he wants to exercise that officially, not talk about it, you know, after the fight, but officially, does he officially want to um, do the, you know, exercise the rematch clause, which I haven't heard any official word uh, for that at this moment. Um, some big news from the zone, Eddie Hearn, boy, I, this interview, he is really going to lay into a lot of UK, UK people uh, because uh, he, he, he signed Anthony Joshua. Um, this is from BoxingScene.com. Uh, DAZN announced a long-term deal with, you know, leaving Sky Sports. Uh, some reports are suggesting the deal is worth $100 million a year for two fights, which is big money, on pay-per-view, of course. Um, and I wonder, is, this, is it going to be like a discounted pay-per-view here in the States, or is it going to be straight up not pay-per-view? Uh, I do wonder about that. This is from Joshua. Um, some quotes from I'm entering a new phase of my career. And with a new training environment, new coaches, now a new broadcaster, negotiations at this level take some time. So I'm pleased to have wrapped it up. And now I can fully focus on giving the fans in the zone what they want. Knockouts in the glamour division. Um, I've been working with the zone following its progress for a long time. We've enjoyed a real successful partnership in the U.S. for many years. And I know the team, understand the passion, the drive behind it. Um, so DAZN's vision and passion to uh, innovate is what attracted me to the partnership. There's, uh, they are the leading digital landscape in sport in the future of sports broadcasting. Um, and I am really looking forward to long and successful partnership. I think he's completely wrong on the future of sports broadcasting. Now, as far as digital landscape in this sport right now, sure, I'll give you that. But there's some large companies that will uh, – you know, anyway, be able to outbid them. I mean, Amazon being one of them. But they also gave him, uh, as part of the deal, he becomes a shareholder, special advisor, and brand ambassador for the business. As a special advisor, Joshua joins, will join the Zone's strategic advisory board at, as the business develops its global offering. So he's got shares. And he's an advisor, a brand endorser. So that is big, though. You know, that's big, and especially in the U.K. I wonder if it's only going to be on the zone, 
or will it be available some other outlet? I mean, what are the other outlets that are major? Sky and BT? Because even BT, didn't BT for their uh, Fury and White, wasn't that available on Sky Sports, uh, the platform to buy pay-per-view? Let me know. I know it's a little bit different. UK Fight fans, help me out. I know it's a little bit different um, over there as far as – because here, you know, it'll be available on an app, but then everything else. So just like Canelo's uh, for DAZN. It was available on DAZN for a discounted price, 60 instead of 80 If you want to do the traditional right, go for that. I'm wondering if they're going to do the same thing or if it'll just be on DAZN. You know, maybe he's enough big enough name and it's a small enough country, uh, comparatively anyway, from America that they'll just say, screw it, we're going to do one price all here and try to get sign-ups. Or if you sign up, you get a discount maybe. Or you get a free month of the zone. But I don't know how they're going to do it. It will be interesting to see. But, yeah, Eddie Hearn, the next interview is just going to lay it in to Adam Smith. Pause. Um, oh, by the way, uh, Errol Spence Jr., this is from TMZ, pleads guilty to DWI 2019 uh, Ferrari crash case. Um, so that's official. Uh, from the Dallas County District uh, Attorney's Office. Um, And he was sentenced to three days in jail, which was given credit for three days time served. Uh, That's according to TMZ Sports from a DA spokesman. So, you know, that uh, is in his rear view mirror. Not to, uh, that's kind of a weird way to say it, now that I think about it. (laughs) But anyway, um, yeah. As far as these names, though, I mean, like I said, this Hall of Fame stuff, man. And I did want to go to 2020. I had a, I was thinking about going 2020 just for my guy Marquez and Hopkins. And I like Sugar Shane Mosley, but uh, Lucia Riker, Christy Martin, Luda Bella, Kathy Duba, Dan Goosen, Bernard Fernandez, Tom, Thomas Hauser, Jay Larkin. Uh, George Kimball, Jackie McCoy, uh, Margaret Goodman, Freddie Brown. I mean, the names Ann Wolf. Uh, obviously, Ali's daughter, I mentioned her before. Davy Moore, which I thought was pretty interesting, too. Frank uh, Earn, um, Todd Morgan. But, yeah, Tony, Jones, Cotto, Mayweather, Ward, Klitschko, Hopkins, Marquez, and Shane Mosley. And Holly Holm, did I mention her? Regina, uh, what is it, Helmich? I think it is Helmich, Helmich, Helmich. Chuck Hall, yeah, I mean, that is star-studded. And, you know, it was kind of fun. You know, Roy Jones <laughs> started, you know, doing his rap song up there and having some fun with it. Um, even the pre-stuff, Floyd was having problems, not breaking down and crying, which is, you know, tells you how much he loves the sport. But, yeah, I mean, Star-studded weekend. It is a weekend I wish that I could have went to. But um, it's really hard to break down this because there's so many. You know what I mean? But uh, obviously, like I said, star-studded. So we got some good news and some maybe news. This is from uh, Jake Donovan, senior writer here at Boxing Scene. I said here at, like I work for Boxing Scene. At BoxingScene.com. Um, it says, Jamal Charlo, Tim Zhu reach terms for mandatory title fight, avoid purse bid. This was yesterday. So you're thinking, all right, man, sweet. Well, they made some sort of an agreement. 
We don't know exactly. We just know the purse bid's not going to be there. Um, you know, we, we really don't know. And the basically further details for the fight were not made available. Messages left several representatives for the BBC, which has both fighters on the contract, were not returned as this goes to publish. Um, the mandatory title defense was inherited by Charlo after his 10-round knockout of Castaño. Um, the official two-month delay in overall 10-month span in between their two fights prompted uh, Tim Zhu, you know, to put that letter, that petition, um, up to make sure that, you know, Castaño was really hurt. Um, however, the IBF says we got skits, okay? Murtala Zaliev? Was it Murtazaliev? I think that's what it is. They're saying they, this is Jake Donovan again doing his grind today. Um, and they're saying, hold on. You know, wait, wait a second. Just wait a second. We're actually, we got skipped. Uh, they're, they're saying that the rule is now being challenged by representatives for him. The IBF longtime manager uh, who was believed to be the next in line for the Undisputed. Uh, and this is IBF. There exists a contract for Jamal Charlo to fight against Talazalev. What is it? Murtazalev? Zalalian. I don't know. I'm butchering. I'm sorry. And it appears that the WBA is interfering with the contract and, you know, with the economic advantage of him, too. Now, it sounds like he's taken a bunch of step aside in the previous pass. And this is a quote from Pat English from uh, uh, Lead Counsel for Main Events. Um, noted that the WBO and all involved parties in this legal letter, a copy of which obtained by Boxing Scene, in order that uh, there is no dispute regarding Charlo Castaño rematch, certain promises were made in writing by both Jamal Charlo, Jamel Charlo, and TGB Promotions. Um, Charlo agreed that he had 10 days to either relinquish the title or he would proceed to fight him, the IBF man, though. Uh, he did not relinquish it as of now the 10 days uh, and plans have proceeded for the match indeed there is a contract and a substantial sum of money in my trust for the fight so yeah we're going to find out we're going to find out what this means you know will he just drop the belt ultimately Uh, will he take this fight and then maybe put uh Tim Zoo on the undercard, and then that's part of their agreement, you know? Because um, he did say that before, Tim Zoo was like, I would like to get a fight in before. That was before, before, if that makes sense, though. You know what I mean? So I don't know exactly, you know, how that's going to shake out. But yeah, I do think Better BF's just going to land the bigger blows just to get on that Joe Smith Jr. Uh, beater BF. That plus. 500 to plus 500 plus 550 plus 600 whatever whatever you can get it at i would do that especially if you can back it up maybe just instead of because you know beater bf such a, a you know a major uh favorite that maybe you'll have to you know you'll have to win by ko or something like that that's how you can do it i haven't looked at the whole thing but yeah i think you'll just wear down joe smith jr but it's not going to be some kind of oh two rounds although i guess it could just be a like a, I don't know, like a Hagler Hearns, you know, I, I hate that. <laughs> I hate that example, really, because there's not, you don't have that much, right? 
Um, but it, the level of importance at the weight class is up there. Um, I wonder if Smith Jr. can stay on the inside and try to stay away from the full punch. But that doesn't mean, like I mentioned, uh, Peter Biev can't, you know, his short hooks, his uppercuts, the body shots. I just think he's going to wear him down. I think it's going to be a fun fight. We may say see Joe Smith Jr. jab a little bit more. Um, some minor circling, you know what I mean? Some kind of, I'm not going to say a bunch of pivots, but some sort of at range uh, instead of, it's like he's either got to be kind of at the back of the pocket. He's not going to be on the move the whole night, obviously. I, I kind of think he's got to be in there, maybe not too much to smother, but, you know, this is going to be a tough fight for him. But I do think that as far as just an action fight, this thing is going to burn in the ring. I mean, it is going to be fun. It is going to be fun. And like I mentioned, there's a UFC fight night. I think it's a two- or three-hour card. I just uh, went over and uh, I, I went I went over. Jeez, I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. I went to my guide, and you know how, like, you can, you know, you can just record anything with boxing involved? Well, I always put that little extra time on it and stuff like that, and I did notice. So there's a UFC. It should be a, a, a pretty solid lead-in. No, it's not college football or basketball, but it's still going to be a pretty good lead-in. Um, what else here? Um, we'll just gotta go through a little bit of news, boxing Twitter, and then we'll get out. Anybody that's on currently, um, can press one, and we can we can you know give your take on anything you want, whatever you want to do. If you're just listening, you don't have to hang up. You don't have to hang up. If you're just listening, that's cool too. Um, actually, here's a show that's gonna be not at the Armory, but it is gonna be local. Joette Gonzalez and Isaac Dogma, which is kind of an interesting uh, July 23rd ESPN Plus show. Instead of Pedraza uh, Come, which is getting moved to August. This is from Je- uh, Jake Donovan as well from Boxing Scene. Uh, Boxing Scene has confirmed that the already planned 10-round ten featherweight bout will now headline from Grand Casino in Hinkley, Minnesota, which is up, up north there. No, it's not all the way north, but it's it's up there a little bit. It's actually a nice little casino. Uh, it's by a huge ass lake um, up there in Hinkley, up there in Hinkley, Minnesota. Actually, is that by Malax? It's a lake where you drive by, and it kind of looks like Lake Superior, or or you know how you say the ocean, where the lake is so big you can't see the other side. Um, so yeah, that that's that that's actually a good fight. I like that fight. It's like you know, it is what it is. Um, Madrimov and Sorrell will once again face off in a WBA junior middleweight final eliminator under the July 9th DAZN card, Derek Sora and Kubak Pulev, because we know how that ended, so that's kind of interesting. This is according to ESPN Mix, um, or MX, <laughs> Shakur Stevenson and Manuel Navarrete is reported in talks to potentially happen August or September um, as a defense of Shakur's WBC and WBO 130-pound title fights. I like that fight, um, but I, I actually remember, I think, remembering Shakur saying, nah, he's actually outpricing himself on Twitter. But we've, you know, there was... Bob said Oscar did Oscar Valdez didn't want the fight uh, with Shakur, and they ended up fighting. So 
I think it's a better option than some of the options out there. Now, obviously, going overseas might be an option, and maybe they'll do that in the, in the winter or something like that. I don't know. Also, um, early 2023, Showtime. And Showtime, not just sports documentaries, but they're the Showtime documentary series, too. They've really stepped up their game in the last chunk of years, man. But Andre Ward, the documentary coming soon, early 2023. I'm really excited about that. I'm also excited about, and this is for some hip-hop fans, I think it's called The Doc and Me, but either way, it's the D-O-C, right? Um, It's not on Showtime, or at least, I don't know, maybe it will be on Showtime, but it's actually at a film festival right now, so I'm looking forward to seeing. uh, Hopefully, I could see it someplace local, because we're a real artsy-type town, so I hope that we'll have one theater carry it at some point up here, but that would be dope, man. Um, And this is from Mark Ortega about Andre Ward. This is kind of interesting. I knew he was an underdog. But I didn't realize it was this big of an underdog. But he said, do you know that uh, – this is a tweet. Do you know Andre Ward was the longest odds underdog when the Super 6 tournament was first announced? He was listed at online sportsbooks at plus 1,000. And when the odds first dropped behind uh, Andre Jarrell, plus 900 as the two biggest underdogs. Of course uh, – Ward went on and swept the, the tournament field, but I knew he was an underdog, but wow. Um, oh, this is from Curran, or Curran. Uh, he said he caught up with Bob Arum today, and he said, um, Tyson Fury will come out of retirement to face the winner of Usyk Joshua too. Is there any question about that? Of course he will, which I kind of assumed he would as well. Um, Jake Paul and Amanda Serrano are back. They're going to fight on a Showtime pay-per-view card August 6th from Madison Square Garden, which that makes a lot of sense. Um, so, yeah, we don't know the opponents, but we do know that's happening. Josh Taylor and Jose Zapata, WBC purse bid, uh, met with a second delay, pushed back two weeks. This is BoxingScene.com as well. Um, you know, it says Josh Taylor and Jose Zapata continue to wait for their ordered fight. Uh, boxing scene has confirmed that the WBC has granted another extension to the already delayed junior welterweight mandatory fight. The first bid was originally due to take place May 24th, which was put, pushed back another 17 days to June 10th. I figured we'd get some, you know, some stuff there, but now it's June 24th. I thought today we'd be able to say, oh, that fight's made. But that's a good sign that it's getting made uh, because, you know, they're still working on it. Um, it's not as big of a deal as uh, Anthony Joshua going to the zone, that's for sure. But uh, Joseph Parker has joined Boxer in Sky Sports for a long-term deal. So that's, uh, you know, I don't know. It, it's something. <laughs> it's not exactly – what they'd want. By the way, RIP to Carlos Ortiz. This is from the WBO. The WBO family is deeply saddened by the passing of legendary lightweight and junior welterweight champ Carlos Ortiz, born in Ponce, Puerto Rico, and raised in New York. Ortiz was one of the best and most popular boxers of the 60s. May he rest in peace. So RIP for sure on that one. Um, 
What else news we got? Uh, oh, the WBO has come out and said they revealed um, that the WBA sanctioned the Canelo Alvarez and Caleb Plant, you know, the, the Caleb Plant undisputed fight, last November as a mandatory defense for Canelo, meaning he does not he does not have to make another mandatory defense versus Zach Parker for 18 months after that. So about a year. Well, no, a little over a year because that was in November. So, so Caleb Plant, what did Caleb Plant have? The IBF? Am I tripping? Did he have the IBF? I think he had the IBF. So Caleb Plant was ranked in the WBO then? Is that, is that what that was? Is that how they figured that out? Is that, is that how they, they got around to it? Okay, sure. I've been watching bo- – so we're going to go boxing Twitter, then we're going to get, get the hell out of here. I've been watching boxing for over 20 years. In any way, is one of the best punches I've ever seen. Every punch is effortless, accurate, with tremendous – and tremendously hard. Once he smells blood, he goes demon mode, and you're not surviving. Shit, crazy. Oh, here's a fun fanboy Crawford thing. Spence going to get stopped by Ugas. I feel it, and Spence will be okay with that because he really doesn't want the, the Crawford smoke. You hate to see it. That's uh, Canelo Alvarez or James Tony. who has the better defensive skill. Can we stop? Can we stop with that? Sky Sports News going big on immortality of the Gulf, uh, Saudi Gulf sports washing. I don't disagree, but this is the same company that aired constant, presumably contractually, propaganda infomercials during Ruiz Joshua 2 coverage, praising Saudi as a great, inclusive place to visit. That's a great tweet. Ted, oh, God, Teddy fucking Atlas, dude. I mean, God bless him, but what the fuck? Like, are you just trying to – I don't – this is just so weird. This is so weird. I can't even barely listen to his podcast anymore. Um, I can't, actually. I haven't in a while. Teddy Atlas said Fulton Roman in Roman was a mismatch and complained about the matchmaking. Now, in the ring, sure. But to complain, these are two. This is like before the fight, it was 1A, 1B, right, with, with Fulton and MJ. But now that they fought the same guy, and then you look at the resume, you got to put them at one right now until they fight. But he said, I mean, come on, dude. Roman and Fulton's bad matchmaking? Come on. He said, uh, oh, he said, you can't win. You literally can't not win. So every fight that is one-sided was a bad matchup. Uh, maybe Fulton is just, you know, great, and he proved it. Um he also said he wanted to see better matchmaking for Fulton. <laughs> like, have you seen his resume, dude? For how many fights he has, it's pretty fucking good. Oh, here's uh, Lefty. Shouts out to Lefty and Chicken Talk. If you don't like that, you know, you can, you can go someplace with it. Uh, du Bois, better, than, uh, better take that. Du Bois better take that check to the nearest liquor store and cash it ASAP. He's not lying there. This is Jake Donovan covering the event, uh, Brian and Du Bois. We are on the third extended replay of a scheduled six-round fight, which followed at at length interview with a country music singer, which followed an at length interview with Don King. Main event still to come. 
Man, I'm glad I didn't touch that one. Um, here's Ishe Smith just saying keep it fair across the board. That's all I'm saying. Imagine if Tank or Charlo or any Heyman promoted or Mayweather promoted fighters bit someone. Their asses would be hammered, and rightfully so. So why did we get a pass? I don't support any group. I talk shit regardless. It is true. I didn't see, like, a wave of Berlanga, what the fuck, he bit somebody tweets. I just did. I really did. Um, when you control a division like PBC does at 154, you get to see so many great matchups between all the top guys. I still kind of can't understand how it, uh, DAZN controlled all the talent from 16 to 175. I don't know about 168 in there, though. And Demetrius couldn't even get a crump. It's malpractice. Um, this is Bernstein. By the way, that last one was Matt. This is Bernstein. Um, several respected boxing folks said tonight that uh, Ed, Edward Berlanga remains a work in progress. I agree, a mixed bag tonight for him. A thin division, but even so, he's not ready for the contenders. Uh, that's, like, really well said. All right, one more, then we'll get out of here. This is J-Bro. Um, J-Bro. I don't think people quite comprehend how much of a mismatch uh, Haney versus Lomachenko is. I would rather Haney go to 140, but he fight, if he fights Loma at 135 next, cool. If he can embarrass Loma, and then we can hear – he can embarrass Loma, and then we can hear more excuses why Loma lost uh, and how he's the tiniest lightweight. I don't think it's – people say Lomachenko will just easily outbox Haney. I think that's ridiculous, too. I'll say that. I will say that. All right, um, you know, we're, we're narrowing down here. We're going to get out of here. Enjoy the weekend. Like I said, this, this Peter Biev-Smith fight should just pop off, man. It should be a good, fun fight. And then we'll be back next week. DAZN's got a, the strongest card, I'd say, um, for the weekend for sure. Bam Rodriguez and Rungbasai, uh, and then a nice, uh, nicely built uh, card. Uh, coming up. So anyway, I'm going to get out of here. Enjoy the fights. Uh, peace. Once you become the world champion, I believe that you feel you have the upper hand.